Good morning, everyone. So, um, Pastor Jules kind of introduced. I'm a mental health nurse, but uh, um, so I've got more than 10 years experience, but I don't normally in here, uh, I've, I've worked in the hospital, but in here, I'm actually working in the community. So um, I've worked as a mental health nurse. Um, currently, I'm working um, as a community mental health nurse, working for Tefatu Aura, um, previously called Auckland District Health Board, or ADHB. Um, I'm working in one of the community mental health services. There's four in Auckland. So the, the, I work at Manaki House. Manaki House covers the east side, which is around... Um, from your that area all the way to Orake and Mission um, Mission Bay. So that's what we do. Um, I, I do a follow-up care. So normally clients that I have, um, I would look after them probably between three to three to some of them. I've had them for more than two years, for long term. Um, sometimes I'm the only family that they have. Um, yeah, so that's, that's who I'm kind of looking after. Um, so they either have mental health illnesses or diagnosis, and I mainly go to their homes. So I go and visit their homes. Um, um, it's actually probably a little bit scary for some people, but it's actually got opportunity um, because I get to go in their homes, or sometimes they come in the clinic. They come and see us in the clinic. So um, I don't work full time. I was working four days, so I was I have been up to about I think twenty six clients that I look after. Um, so that's 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 a bit of background about me. As a nurse, um, I'm governed by the Nurses Code of Ethics. There's sets of standards that I must uphold. ADHB or Tefatu Aura, they've also got sets of um, policies and procedures. So many policies and procedures. So that also governs my professional practice. Yeah, so I've got all these things. So I, I, in, in my role as a nurse, I'm actually limited to what I say. Not just to people, not just to clients, but even to my colleagues. I'm quite limited. I'm not really allowed. I'm not, in terms of the sets of guidelines and everything else, I'm not allowed to say or to talk to them about God and about my faith. Unless they requested or solicited. So it's really, really tricky. So how do you do that? Hey, um, okay. Um, first, I want to tell you a story about what happened to me when I first started working. So I've been working. I came to Auckland just under three years ago. And straight after that, I went to work with um, ADHP. So when I first started working for them, um, I ended up inviting a client to the church. I worked with this client. Um, we tried all different treatments. She's got a psychologist. She's got a psychiatrist. Um, tried everything. But then she was still highly suicidal. Literally my first four, I remember my first four weeks, every day, Sometimes, uh, like, I have to make sure that she hasn't killed herself. Actually, it, it, was, it was really, really tough. But God has been so good. God helped me all through that. Anyway, nothing worked. She was still actively suicidal. She didn't have any hope at all. That's what it was. She didn't have any hope. The very hope that she had died. So she didn't have any hope at all. Um, I found out from talking to her, though, that once, long, long time ago, that she's a Christian. So I used that point to talk to her about my faith and about God. 
um, eventually I encouraged her to go to the church. But guess what? She didn't want to go. <laughs> Instead, there was a special event here one day. I invited her. She turned up. Um, um, and she started going to the church for a while. But because she was highly vulnerable and distrustful of people, she didn't want to go anywhere. She, she saw me as um, safe, so she wanted to go where I was. However, my colleague, her, her um, psychologist, thought that I've overstepped my professional boundaries. And she thought I've dis disregarded um, my code of ethics as a nurse. It's probably right. Um, and you know what she did? She wrote an official letter of complaint to our big boss about me, citing my unprofessionalism and for taking advantage of the client's vulnerability. She thought I was kind of like taking this client to a, a cult or something. <laughs> anyway, so what did I do? I couldn't do anything. I could tell you it was easy at the time, but it wasn't. I had to go and ask God to help me forgive and show grace to my work colleague. Yeah, so what do I see in my workplace that is greatly needed today? The greatest need, I believe, is to be shown grace and forgiveness. That's not just at workplace. That's also at school. That's also in our home. I'm reading, I'm rereading the book, What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. Probably some of you have read it. He's quoted, there's only one thing the world cannot give. It cannot offer grace. Grace is what the world desperately needs. It's what people are desperately looking for, but they're not getting. That, the world doesn't want to hear any more about grace. They want to see and they want to feel what grace is. Grace begins and ends with forgiveness. And where else can the world go to find grace? Our workplace needs to see grace in action. But the grace, mercy, love that the world really needs, that what we need, that what our schools, our homes need, only comes from God. My grace, my love falls short. It only comes from God. And the workplace would know it. They'd know if you're fake. They do. Grace means, in the word of Philippians, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more, and nothing I can do to make God love me less. Grace begins with God by forgiving me my sins. God did this by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Why? So that I can be forgiven. And not only that, so that I can have a new life in Christ. Grace and forgiveness comes hand in hand. The truth is, we cannot give something we don't have. And we cannot give something we don't believe or something that we have not experienced. We cannot give or show God's grace and forgiveness Apart from God. I want to tell you another story. 
So last year, towards, towards the end of last year, I, I clearly heard from God to um, move, move workplace. I struggle, even kind of like, um, I, I struggle. I even kind of like did some sort of to God, you know, so that he can kind of, but I knew in my heart, I knew in my heart that God wants me to move workplaces. But can I tell you why I don't want to move? Because my workplace now, it's like a family. We love each other. It's like, it's actually, it's, it's, I look forward going to work. I know it's a tough work where I work, but I look forward because of the people I work with. We've grown to love each other. We really care for each other. Okay. So, um, on Friday, I finished my work at Manaki House um, because I'm moving to one closer to my place. So I've been saying goodbye to clients, the la- clients and colleagues the last couple of weeks. So it's been a tough week. It's, I don't really want to say goodbye, but I've been saying goodbye to, to people. So, um, yeah, it was really tough. The same psychologist, remember the story beforehand? Um, bef- she went away a um, few weeks ago, before, but before she went away, she actually came and saw me. She gave me a hug. And she said so many good things. She said, um, yeah, she talked highly of me. Our admin staff repeatedly told me, you've been a breath of fresh air, and you're going to be a breath of fresh air where you're going. Um, on Thursday, my colleague, they gave me a, a surprise luncheon. Um, I didn't really care if I was going to have one because I, I didn't want to say goodbye, but they did. They brought some gluten-free food that I, that I, and food that I like. It was really, it was beautiful. Our, Manaki, our, our big boss, our Manaki boss, on her speech, this is what she said. That I am unique. Describe me as firm, but gentle, kind, warm, and lovely. She said, very rarely you see both. She says, really, rarely you see both attributes together. She said, someone is normally either firm or gentle, but not both. They all had very nice things to say about me. We actually, we we did cry. Um, Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it to kind of like boost my ego. um, But I want to say it because I want to give glory to God. Because you know what? I'm not perfect. I am not perfect. I am. I struggled. Um, I'm not always in my best behavior. Um, as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, I'm not perfect. But what I want to say is that that is God working in me. That's God, really God. Because I work in this really fast pace, busy. It's really difficult place. But to be able to, in myself, I don't see myself that way. But that's how they describe me. And that's only God. That's only God. The biblical answer is found in Jesus. So I want to ask, what sets us apart as Christians in our workplaces? in our homes, and in our schools. 
It's when we can show God's grace and forgiveness. And it's only possible through our union with Jesus Christ. So today, we're going to look at John 15, verses 4 to 8. I actually don't have any slides, so literally we need our Bible, everyone. Okay. So if, you, if we all go to John 15, verses 4 to 8. Ready? Starting from verse 4, this is what Jesus said. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Yeah? So we'll go back on verse 4. I'll read it again. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you, neither myself, any of you, even Pastor Jules. <laughs> neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So why does God or why does Jesus tell us to remain in him? To answer that, we have to go back to the chapter before, which is John chapter 14, 11 to 14. But keep the John, the John 15, okay? Because we're going to go back. But we're just going to go back to John 14, um, verse 11 to 14. Let me read. Verse 11, John 14, verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And will do even greater things than this because I'm going to the Father. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So why does, one, why does Jesus want us to remain in him? That we, may be the, that we may be with the Father just as Jesus is. In verse 11, he says that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus wants us to be the sign. Just like Jesus is with the Father and remain with the Father. Jesus wants us to do the sign. And so that we can do the same works as Jesus. Who 
whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. That's what it is. So that we can do the same works as Jesus. So that we can bear fruit just like Jesus. And so that the Father may be glorified. And so that we may ask in the name of Jesus. Yeah? You all with me? Okay, now we're going to go back in verse, um, John 15, verse 5. What should or what do we expect when we remain or abide in Him? We should expect to bear fruit. That's what it is. We should expect to bear fruit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, for Parents, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, such things, there's no law. So are you trying to, you know, sometimes we try to do all these things. But Jesus said, come, remain in me, and now we'll remain in you. There's a process. And what else, what should we expect if we, oh, and what should we expect if we don't abide or remain in Him? It says in verse 6, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. That's why God doesn't want to be lukewarm. That's why God doesn't want to be Sitting on a fence. The next question. How do we remain in Him? So I'm going to talk about three points. You can add more, but this is my three points that I believe God wants to talk to us too. The first point. We remain in Him when we keep His commands. On verse 10, so we go back to John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Can I say that again? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in His love. Jesus did exactly the same. Jesus remained in God the Father and obeyed God the Father. So what technically we're doing is just we're following Jesus. We're following exactly. That's what he's asking us to do. So what are his commands? God's command are Jesus' spoken words. God's word is God's command. Jesus doesn't do anything apart from what the Father tells him to do. So Jesus wants us to follow his example and do the same. 
to follow God's command, to follow God's word. Jesus doesn't just want us to read or hear the word. Jesus wants us to do what it says, to obey it, to be the doer of the word. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. How beautiful is that? John 14, 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. 1 John 2, 4-5 says, I know him, but does, not, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Keeping God's command means believing and obeying the word of God. John 1 to 1 to 5 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made in, that has been made. In him was life. That life was light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The second point, we remain in him when we love God and others. As the Father um, on verse, if we go back to John 15 verse 9, I'm going to read 9 to 12. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may be in you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. God's commands are these. Love God with all our hearts and love our neighbors. And the third point, we remain in him when we lay down our life. On verse 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down one's life for one's friends. Just like Jesus sacrificed his love for us, it requires sacrifice for our part to remain, to abide in God. So what are those sacrifices looks like? Spending less time in the things of the world and more things in the things of God. God, uh, when I was actually doing this, God is showing me we can only hold on to God. We can't hold to the things of this world. We can't hold to these earthly things and hold on to God as well. One will have to go. So, it depends on which one you want to hold on to. To God or to the things of this world. You cannot, you've only got one choice. You can't do both. Um, 
uh, just a very briefly, um, when I heard God talk about um, leaving my, my workplace to this new place, oh, it was really, really tough. It was really tough. So for me, because um, I was ready to sacrifice my time of travel and everything to stay where I am because I really grown to love where I used to work. Um, however, um, God, was, God was clear. God wanted me to move workplace and reduce my hours. So this year, I was, God was clear about it to work just three days a week. Um, there's nothing I, like for me, I can choose to do my way. But I can't. Because my life, there's nothing more than, than, for me than God. So it is a sacrifice. So I don't know what it is for you. But God, a Christian walk is not easy walk. It's not easy walk. It takes sacrifice. Um, yeah, so we have to give more of our time, our attention, our resources to the things of God. Um, 1 John 2, 15, 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desire passes away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Our capacity to show God's love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness is only possible when we remain and abide in Jesus in, and in His Word. Apart from Jesus, we cannot show God, um, God's love, grace, mercy, or forgiveness. So we follow God. We follow God's command. We love God's and others, we lay down our lives. Why? Because we want to remain in Him. We want to be in union with God. And the way through God is through Jesus. No other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I may be giving up my life. I may be following God's command. I may be loving God and others. But that doesn't save me. The only thing that saves me is what Jesus has done on the cross. So those things, we love, we follow, we lay down our lives as a response to God's love. Not to make us save. Jesus is the only one that can do that. But we do those things so that we can bear fruit. So that in our workplace, in our homes, in our school, Jesus, Jesus will be, will be shown. I am safe. I have eternal life. I have peace because of Jesus. Um, Ephesians 5.12 puts it beautifully. Follow God, 5.12, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loves us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And there's the beautiful promise as well at the end, when we remain in God. Not only, when, not only we bear fruit, 
But we can go to God and ask. We can go to God and ask. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. It, it will be done for you. Now you can ask. Sometimes we do the opposite. We ask. But we're not doing our part. So if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. So to end, what sets us apart as Christians in our homes, in our schools, in our workplace? Are we permeating or are we showing grace and forgiveness? Or are we showing God's grace and God's forgiveness? just want to quickly pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for talking to us. We thank you, Father God. Lord, I just pray that each one of us, Father God, will respond, Father God. Father, help us, Father God. Let your word, Father God, accomplish and Father, let your word give us, Father God, give us a heart, a desire, and a love for you and your word, Father God. Let this be a new year, Father God. Lord, that we would decide, Father God, to follow you no matter what, Father God. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name.